2: Late Lunch Friday afternoon, you are so welcome to the show and I am really excited today I have to tell you because this is a first for me on Late Lunch after more than 10 years on the air. I've never interviewed a robot in my time on the show, and I'm going to in the next while. Well, I'm not really, because I'll tell you a little story. A Dundalk company, CR Robotics, has developed a robot which supports people living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and more besides. Its creator, Candice Lafleur, is with me today, and she's brought along her beautiful robot called Milo. You are so welcome to Late Lunch.
3: Hiya, thank you so much for having us.
2: Oh my word, the stir in LMFM today when you arrived with this guy.
3: Yeah, it took a while to get him through the door with all the people.
2: (laughs) It really did. And I ain't one bit surprised. What on earth prompted the invention of this robot?
3: Well, surprisingly, when I was 32, I had a major stroke. It was quite the surprise to everybody. I had developed a rare autoimmune disease that contributed to the stroke. And when I was on the stroke ward for a good couple of weeks, I was the youngest one there by at least 40 years. And it was a sudden window into the loss of independence and how extreme that was and how that felt. And when I was in hospital, I I couldn't find my phone. I couldn't use it. I couldn't hold it without accidentally flinging it across the room. I couldn't read it. And the sudden loss of the ability to communicate was, was terrifying. And when I went home, uh, there was this massive sense of guilt. Now, we Canadians are very good at guilting ourselves. I think you guys might be too. Um, but I, I felt this huge sense of guilt that my husband had to always be home to make sure I was okay, to monitor me. And I, I, I started to understand what it was like to never be left alone. And to never have that time. So I started thinking, well, what are some supports? And I started looking out there, what are some supports available? And there was nothing that had the purpose that I needed. So I, you know, as you do, I got a team together and we built a robot. (laughs) Go figure. Yes,
2: you do. Yeah, it sounds why not? so simple, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> well, not really, but um, it, it's about getting the right people. And we partnered with a company in Dundalk called RKM, and they helped us to develop the software. And we've now partnered with them for the project completely. And so we have all of our research, everything's done in Dundalk. And we get parts from all over the world. And here we are with Milo. What age
2: were you when you had that major health incident? How long I'm, ago is
4: that?
3: I was thirty-two, and I'm only thirty-seven now, so it wasn't that long ago. But at the time, I had one-year-old twins. Um, I I couldn't I couldn't even hold them. It was it was absolutely brutal. And there needs to be more support. Um, and you can't just wait around. There's this Lily Tallman quote that I've always loved, and it's um, I said someone should do something about that, and then I realized that I am somebody. So. Um, Off we are with a robot. Go do it,
2: and you have done it, and here you are today. How long did the process take? And I'm sure there was a lot of research involved in this.
3: There's a huge amount of research, but it's ongoing. So we're constantly talking to families. We're constantly trying to get in front of occupational therapists and healthcare workers and and families and potential users to see what are their needs so we can match those. To develop him, uh, RKM and, and together, it took us about 18 months which is shockingly fast for developing a robot. But again, we're getting parts from everywhere. And if you if you put a team together with purpose, you can accomplish things pretty quick.
2: So what can Milo do? What's the practical application? I did mention Alzheimer's and dementia. There are more, of course, applications for this besides yeah. what you're working on. But specifically there, tell me.
3: What Milo essentially does is he's a home monitoring and companion robot that... Aims to help elderly people get out of hospital foster and stay in their own homes for longer. So we give people peace of mind. Um, If you have a Milo in your home and your mother is at home alone during the day and she falls down then Milo recognizes the fall and he'll go and find her in the house and then he'll video chat to the family directly so you can see what's going on, you can control the cameras, you can control the motion, you can talk to mom and say okay I see that you you need help, I'm on my way, or I see you've already gotten up. Same with if her heart rate was to spike or if her heart rate was to drop he'll do the same you can do remote check-ins with milo you can control him from an app on your phone so if you're at work and you want to make sure that Mum has not put the oven on and left it there you can just go over into the kitchen with milo and check and then if he, she has, you can go over and find mum in the house and tell her through Milo. So you don't have to worry about mum finding her phone, trying to communicate with you. He has guard functions, so if someone has a tendency to wander with mid-stage dementia, he will give them a prompt to come back, which we're finding in trials, after one verbal prompt, it kind of shakes them out of it, and they come back. So, And if they, they don't come back, then you get a video call, so you know that dad's left or mum's left. So we're trying to give people peace of mind.
2: And this... Is Milo's role to do that and function, and very important it is, I have to say. I think it's brilliant, to be honest with you. The applications of it and the potential for this guy in the future.
3: There's so much potential for him. We're, we're working constantly with our developers to pull in new research and pull in new, new parts of robotics that we can do. We're working on having him respond to people with empathy. He's doing video calls. They can talk to each other. So if someone is feeling socially isolated, two Milo's can talk to each other. So now those two socially isolated people can have a conversation with each other. It's been absolutely fascinating, the stuff that we can do with him. And it's been really exciting to do it here, actually.
2: Now you have one version of Milo yeah. with you today. 300 many.
3: in Monaster Voice. Have you? <laughs> yeah, in a, in, a, in a warehouse in Monaster Voice There's 300 at the moment. Okay. so The warehousing are, company was a little shocked, but I they're, they're pretty on board.
2: <laughs> That's great to hear. So there are a lot of them available. What costs are involved here?
3: Um, We're a social enterprise, so it's not as expensive as you would think to get this kind of support. Um, We wanted to make him, it could be the Canadian socialist in me, but we wanted to make him accessible and affordable. So we rent him out for nine euros a day. It's less than the cost of one hour of home care, and you get that 24-hour support.
2: And can I take um short term, medium, long term? How does this work? Do I have to sign up for a particular period of time?
3: The rest of your life. No.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wouldn't no. be a bad life if you had Milo, <laughs> which I have to say. No, we're
3: we're trying to do short term contracts. So it's a minimum of one month. So if you were to have, say, a a hip operation in hospital mm-hmm. and you just needed that little bit of help for a month, you can just rent a Milo for one month to three years. It's it's really up to you. We're trying to make it as easy as possible.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure when you have this beside you and you are in a vulnerable situation, it's only then it really hits home all this guy can actually do for you. What's a Canadian doing in Ireland? (laughs) What brought you here?
3: Well, let's be honest, a lot of Canadians have Irish heritage anyways. Um, But I, I was doing my MBA at Trinity. And uh, my family came over here. We found that Ireland was a fantastic initial market for for Milo in terms of research. Irish family connections are so strong, and you can get incredible depth of of how people want their their family to be cared for in Ireland compared to a lot of other countries. So we moved over here, and we've set up home. So we we absolutely love it here. Plus, I am from northwestern Canada. I'm kind of here for the weather. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's not often you hear people cite Ireland for the weather, I have to say, Candice. That's awesome. Beyond dementia, come back to this point again, and Alzheimer's, what other uses or communities do you see as a potential market for this guy?
3: There, there's a huge amount of potential. We've had people contacting us with children with autism, um, asking if we can adapt him. We've had people who uh, their parent has recently lost hearing. And so they, they're They're looking at adaptations and they've contacted us to see if we can put a Milo in that situation. He does other things for independence, like uh, medication reminders. He won't just remind you to take your medication. He'll find you first in the home to make sure you hear it. Then he'll tell you in a very, very polite Canadian way, um, it's time to take your morning medication. Then he'll show you a picture of where it is as well. So we're trying to use him in in a huge variety of scenarios to make people who struggle with transitions feel a lot more at ease the face the face
2: you've gone for a feline face why
3: it it actually, I I know it sounds strange to have a cat face on a robot, but we found in all of our research here in in Ireland and in the North, that this is what worked best for people. Originally I wanted something very robotic Um, If you've seen the movie the Disney movie WALL-E, there's this girl robot with this really slick robot face and I I was like, yeah, I want want that one let's give it a try, and we put that on there and we brought him to a nursing home and they were like, yeah no, (laughs) they wanted nothing to do with him so we went back to the literal drawing board, and we tried something more humanoid we tried a, a dog face, and we just still weren't getting the reactions we wanted but as soon as we put the cat face on him people started engaging him they started petting him which he responds to they started talking to him the residents just came completely out of their shell and and started coming up to him so thank god that worked or we'd be going for an iguana next
2: <laughs> i think the face is beautiful and it really does work Cakes. i have to say as well <laughs> i have to congratulate you on a brilliant, brilliant idea that you've now brought to reality. Will you tell our listeners before you leave us, where can they find out more information about this? Because I'm sure there are people saying, want to get more, want to hear more about this.
3: Yeah, no problem. You can find out videos and all the information on our website at heymilo.com, heymylo.com. H-E-Y-M-Y-L-O dot com. So lots of information there and you can check him out. He's also in different cafes and things around Dundalk, believe it or not. <laughs> We've got our little robots everywhere. It's there really cool. There
2: you go. So if you come across them, you've heard all about them on late lunch today. Hey, Milo, you've made my day. You've made <laughs> my week, made my year, little fella, because it's a first on late lunch today. Look at that for a smile I'm getting there. Well done to you, Candice. So it's a great, great story, and I wish you well with it. Candice LaFleur, thank you for joining me on Late Lunch.
3: Thank you so much for having us.
2: My next guest joined me in studio here on Late Lunch last year and we've tic-tac a couple of times since. She's a barrister from Balbriggan, who's lived in London for some time, a pro-Brexiteer and co-editor of The Conservative Woman. No better woman to talk to about Brexit on the day after the night before when the new deadline for the UK to leave the EU was set out. I'll say good afternoon to Laura Perrins. Laura, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thank you very much for taking our call. I've just been reading that Theresa May is a dead woman walking. Would you agree?
5: Um, no, I wouldn't necessarily agree on that. People, people have been um, predicting her demise for some time, and um, it never happens. Um, there's no unity to, to get rid of her now, so unless she wants to walk herself, um, she, she won't go anywhere.
2: Now, here's the thing. You're at the heart of it there. You are a pro-Brexiteer. You have your finger on the pulse. Tell me this. Are we at endgame now for certain? There will be no beyond, it looks like, the 22nd of May for sure, but possibly the 12th of April, whether it's deal or no deal.
5: Um, No, I I wouldn't rule out anything now um, because it it does change so quickly. They're now saying that there might be a series of what's called indicative votes Um, next week in the House of Commons. Um, I mean, I still don't think she's going to get her deal through. Uh, There there was talk this week that Momentum looks like it might be be shifting towards her deal going through, but she just doesn't. I don't think she has has the numbers on it. It's just too big a number to overcome. Um, and again, the certain leaks are saying that the deal won't go through. Which means, what will happen? Are they really going to go out without a deal in the middle of I think the Easter holidays? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they will. They will find a way um, around that.
2: In, in in what way? Will with, with the Uh, agreement of the EU or would you think something is going to happen that a deal will be done, something will pass that will allow the UK to leave with a deal?
5: I don't think the current deal will pass, and the EU hasn't um, offered anything anything to change. I mean, you know, that that's just what I think. It, it, uh, you know, the thing, it may be that there is complete panic next week and people fold, but I just think it's unlikely you'll get the DUP and the ERG to fold. The numbers, it's just not close enough for her to get that deal through. Um, so then it, it goes down to this idea that we're going to go out and think on the... the 12th of uh, April without a deal. I I I don't think a parliament will let Britain leave without a deal. Now I, I up until basically today I thought we would the odds were that it would be next Friday without a deal, but I just think they will move heaven and earth to to make sure that won't happen. She isn't willing to let it go without a deal. That's that, that that's the critical change. If she was, then she would just say Uh, we're going out next Friday. But it's clear that she's not willing to do that. So she'll do something. I mean, it can be revoked unilaterally. That might happen.
2: Is there a chance that the UK might not leave at all?
5: um yeah there's, i mean there's a chance that you know as i said anything anything could happen now um, legally they can illegally it's easier for her to revoke revoke article 50 completely than it is to ask for an extension they don't have to get the, they don't have to get the consent of the eu to revoke that may that that could happen Um, she could say, I'm revoking it and I'm calling an election and the entire election now is going to be on on Brexit and then the next parliament can decide what to do. Um, As I said, I, I don't think she'll get her deal through. I don't think they will go out without a deal anymore because she has essentially set her face against that, having said that next friday is is the day um so the question then is what can happen in between those two options as i said it, it, it could be could be a general election maybe she'll ask for another extension. It's difficult to predict
2: do you believe that there's enough on both sides of the uh, houses of parliament to come together to revoke article fifty um
5: um, not in its current form. Um, not. I mean, you know, she could. She could do it. Uh, n- not in its current form. Therefore, she could perhaps do it as a, as a, call a general election um, in between that time. It's difficult to. It's difficult to say. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it depends now on what happens next week in, in the House of Parliament. It depends on what happens over the weekend, whether people do start moving back towards the deal again.
2: Will the EU acquiesce with more time? Say there was a general election, that's going to have to take its course in the UK as well. Are they willing, do you think, the 27 members to push it out further, even though they said, no, this is it, drop dead now?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, they always say that. I, I think if there is a chance that Brexit might not happen... They they may well give more time Mm. Um, because I still think if if if, I mean her her strongest card was saying we are going to go out without a deal and she has squandered that because it it will be a disaster for Europe if Britain goes out without a deal and I know it'll be a disaster for Ireland a complete disaster Mm. so that was tactically. Her strongest hand. Um, now she has she has pretty much shown that she's not willing to make that happen. I mean, she can say, yes, we will go out. You know, if you don't pass my deal, this is it. This is it. We will go out without a deal. Um, the problem is, is that she's got no credibility. She, she's made loads of promises and she's repeatedly briefed them. She said there'd be a general election and or there won't be a general election. And then she called a general election. You know, she said that we would... No deal is better than a bad deal. Then she wants to push through her bad deal. She said she would definitely leave on the 29th of March, no matter what. Now she's asked for more time. You can't go on what she says.
2: <laughs> and, and yet yet you said at the start she's not a dead woman walking.
5: <laughs> yeah, because there's not as strong... as She's very weak, but there's nobody strong enough right. to get rid of her. And she's also immune from a vote of confidence from her own party, at least. Mm. Because you can only... you can't You can't table a second one within the year. Um, and that was only a few months ago when they tabled
2: that. Yes, so she's safe from that. As someone who's a pro-Brexiteer and you've watched this, my God, we're all sick to the teeth of it on this side of the pond, never mind over there. How are the people, what's the feeling among the ordinary five eights there?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, people are definitely annoyed about it, but, you know, on both sides, whether leave or, or remain. Um, and it, it I mean, up until, I'd say, two weeks ago, it hadn't filtered, it was in the background, but it hadn't filtered down sort of to everyday conversation. It, it is now at that stage, which is why she made the speech that she did two nights ago, unfortunately, politically, thats it, it was a completely disastrous thing to do. Um, and, and the polls actually do say they blame, the public blame MPs more than her her but the problem is, is that she needs the support of MPs so um, to go out there and basically completely slam them to the electorate was just a disaster it's, it's, uh, it's played very badly with, uh, with the MPs whose support she needs.
2: Interesting, interesting. Laura I was just very keen to get your take on this. More shenanigans to come that's the message today. Thank you so much for taking our call and I wish you well. No problem. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Laura Perrins, there, co-editor of the Conservative Woman in the UK. It's Book Club Friday on Late Lunch. I love it, and there's only one woman when I say those words. Yes, she is our <laughs> book reviewer, and I just love her. Yes, Margaret Madden is with us today. Margaret, good to see you again. Can Lovely I indulge her. you for a little moment at the start?
3: Always it's related me, to
2: you and books as well. I want to read a little poem because today well. is. Daffodil Day, so if you see those people out selling daffodils, do support them. It's mighty important money for the Irish Cancer Society, but I want to read this just today before we begin on the books. It's called To Daffodils. Fair daffodils, we weep to see you haste away so soon, as yet the early rising sun has not attained its noon. Stay, stay, until the hasting day has run, but to Evensong, And having prayed together, we will go with you along. We have short time to stay as you, we have as short a spring, as quick a growth to meet decay, as you or anything. We die as your hours do and dry away, like to the summer's rain, or as the pearls of morning's dew, near to be found again.
4: Aww, you're such a sweetie. I love
2: it. I think it's a lovely one. And it's by Robert Herrick. I remember from my childhood. It is about daffodils, but it's about us as well. Yeah. It's about life. You yeah. know, when you think about it. But uh, today and the day that's in it. Thank you. And I was delighted <laughs> to read that little daffodil poem. That's so sweet.
4: I was looking ah. at the daffodils the other day and I was just saying to Declan, aren't they just such a happy flower? They are. You know? They are. Yeah, yeah. They
2: lift you after the, the short days of winter and yeah. the poor weather. And there they are. They stick their little heads ah, out. you're yeah. so right, Margaret. Now, let's get down to business. Okay. I'm going to go straight forward today with book of the month. Tell them what you've chosen for March.
4: Yeah, I have chosen Joe Spain's Dirty Little Secrets.
2: Now, this woman can write. She really can. She's yeah. absolutely brilliant. And she's onto a winner, isn't she, here again?
4: She is. Now, this is um, her second standalone. She has mm. other ones as well. Um, but I specifically chose this one. Well, it's new, so it's in all the shops. Um, but I adore Jo's writing. But this one is... A thriller to beat all thrillers. You know the way you get a thriller and people say, oh, there's such a twist in the end. Well, actually, I hate when they say that because you're kind of waiting for the twist. But this has a, pretty much a twist at the end of every chapter. It's not, you know, a twist Mm. at the end. It's every single chapter. You're like, what? What? It's just unreal. Literally from the first chapter to the last. At the end, you're saying, I have to turn the page just to see what the hell is going Mm. on here. Yeah. Okay. so it's that
2: good. And you won't put this one down. No, definitely not. It it revolves around a lady called Olive Collins, who lives in a gated community in Wicklow, this place is, Mm. isn't it? Mm. Yes.
4: So this is a very well-to-do area. um, And Olive is a single woman in her fifties she's never been married um never really had a relationship. she's no family left. her parents are deceased she's no siblings, so she's quite a lonely woman and she lives in an old house on the grounds um of the estate. It's called Withered Vale there's a reason for that but uh then the estate was built around her and they gated it after that as in you know the land was sold and and so there's all these brand new uh new rich houses there in among her but you know so she tries to befriend each of these new neighbors as as they move in but she's a weird owl one now i have to say i shouldn't say owl one she says i'm nearly 50 myself (laughs) hang on a minute another three years but uh, she's very queer now um and but you you're drawn in by Joe, little teaser by teaser by teaser. But the thing is, Olive Collins from the very beginning, you know, is dead, and she's lying in her house three months before her body is discovered. This is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, three months. You're in a small gated community. Yes. How could nobody notice that she was missing? So it's obvious somebody has done this. yeah. But which one of the neighbours is it? Yes,
2: and you see, she has, yeah. or oh, there is the potential for any of them really yeah. to have
4: there is because they the all crime. absolutely hate her you know and you're brought through them all so you've David, no, you no. <laughs> David and Lily no you shouldn't definitely not David and Lily are I had to laugh you know they're, they're the vegetarians <laughs> they won't let their kids eat sweets and they're real strict but the, their, their children one of them is called Wolf and he absolutely loves Olive so he's over and back with her all the time um, so they build up a very a lovely relationship but the parents aren't happy because yeah. she's feeding them cakes and pizza and so they hate her, then we have Matt and Chrissy. Um, he's like a, a hedge fund accountant, and uh, his young wife, um, young kind of Dublin inner city wife, so she's kind of not mixing very well. But there's a reason there why why um, they hate her as well. No spoilers, no spoilers.
2: I'm so struggling. you always say I'm that really to me. Struggling. I'm turning this around on you this time. I love the relationship between Frank and Emma,
4: yeah. Um, you know. The relationship between everybody here is, mm. is is interlinked, so I can't I can't go into too no. much. And the
2: dailies, what about the dailies, Alison and her daughter Holly as well?
4: Yeah, now they have a big secret, oh, and huge. you don't find that out uh, until toward the end. But again, they would not be a fan of Olive, so and neither of them. So everybody has a reason to wish this woman gone. Yes. Um, and you you're kind of drift read the reasons all the way through. Absolutely. Every single chapter is ends with a twist.
2: And you see, they thought the police initially that this was natural cause. But then, as they
4: well, yeah, it's a heart attack, but mm. it's brought on by Absolutely. well, you know, it's not a spoiler to say that it, it, it's uh, it was brought on by something else, yes, yeah. it really
2: was. <laughs> but this is Joe Spain at our very best, a yeah. brilliant thriller,
4: yeah. And I loved the detective Frank in it. Um, he, he's older, he's coming towards retirement, and he has a young sidekick, Emma, who you know, um. He's forever passing remarks on her face and makeup, and mm. her and her her different living to him. So they have a very good relationship too, and uh, they're in and out of the estate, questioning house yeah. by house. So yeah. this
2: is the book of the month on Late Lunch yeah. Book Club. Margaret Madden's pick. And uh, you should check it out. Get it. Go buy it. Enjoy it. You won't put it An down.
4: Absolutely brilliant thriller. Yeah. Dirty
2: Little Secrets by Joe Spain is the name of the book. And while we're on it, before we move on to Margaret's next recommendation this month, as is our want on Late Lunch each month, I have a lovely, as Margaret will confirm, a gift pack of books here to give away to one of you. I have the cow book. It's brilliant. John Connell, the doctor who sat for a year Brendan Kelly The Positive Habit by Fiona Brennan she was with us on Late Lunch recently Emma Hannigan's last book The Gift of Friends which we're going to talk about in a moment and Dr Ava Orsman's Reverse Your Diabetes a little bit of a health kick one in there would you like all of those five books all for one of you in Late Lunch Land this afternoon how do you win them here's the question it's mighty difficult (laughs) Joe Spain the author I was trying to think you know rack my brains how will I get a question around this what's the capital of Spain (laughs) Took a lot of thinking, that question, didn't it? What's the capital of Spain, please? The answer to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp free or text, please, as soon as you can, with your name and details. And one of you will enjoy some lovely reading over the coming weeks. Now, let's move on to Emma Hannigan's The Gift of Friends. A year in March since the lovely Emma, who was a guest of ours on Late Lunch and a couple of occasions, passed away. What about this book? Is it... I'll be straight with you here. Is it sentimentality that you're picking this
4: book? No, not just that because I've always loved Emma's books and, Mm. you know, there just wasn't one out around the time I think I've been coming into you. That's right. But other than that, I would have probably put her in any time a new book. I love her writing. I really do. Um, It was obviously very emotional for me when I opened the post and I saw um, the early copy of it. I did get a bit choked up. But it's what a wonderful gift to leave behind, you know. Mm. Your word's still there even a year after you've gone.
2: And you know, there's a parallel with your book of the month here because Mm -hmm. it is a group of residents. It's about in this one as well, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. It's another kind of um, well-to-do estate. And um, there's a a group of of women who are neighbours. Now, there's no murder in this one. Mm. But um, there's a new a new person has moved into this estate and again they're they're quite wealthy people but they're all very different um but the difference between the thriller and this is that this is about friendship it's the opposite of what's happened to of this is about yeah. them rallying around each other in times of need, and it's a sense of community, and um, how age has no boundary. They, they they all just really want to help out each other, you know. Yeah. Um, so Kingfisher Road, it's it's the cul de sac where they all live, and um, we have Pearl, Maya, um, Maya's young twin. Well teenage twins we've Nancy Betsy whose son has arrived back from Australia with a wife and a baby in tow a baby she didn't even know about yes.
6: Like,
4: um, and then you have the new arrival Danielle so each house has a different story but as I said each woman um, is there to help each other out because there's some pretty nasty characters there
2: are in this yeah. one for sure and they vary in age from 20 to 70 you know what I mean you mm. think at 70 they'd be past being a little bit <laughs> vile or things like that. But they, they don't. They mature like good cheese with age as well. You know, the one thing about Emma Hannigan, always you have to say about her, mm. uh, loved for the characters, the way she develops the characters.
4: Oh, yeah. She she is just so memorable for that. You know, her, her trademark love in life, you know, she just saw the best in people mm. and she had such a way of Building friendship into every single one of her books. Each one. Every one I remember reading.
2: So, this is well worth a read. Yeah. The final one from Emma. If you're a fan, I know you love It's a great story, it. as you said. Yes. I'm
4: not just picking it for sentimental reasons. Okay. It is a great story and wonderful female fiction. Yeah,
2: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. We have our book club, Book. Giveaway on the show this afternoon with Margaret. Five wonderful books there to give away. I'll repeat the question again. Somebody looking for it. What's the capital of Spain? It's a tough one. Answers to 086 1800 658, WhatsApp or text, and you could win the five books. They're lovely, I promise you, and we'll arrange to get them to you. Margaret Madden's with us. She's brilliant. What she recommends, hang on every word. She knows. She reads <laughs> a book a day, isn't it? You read.
4: Yeah, but actually, t- I was reading two a day over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> How does this I'm woman a do bit it? behind I yeah. don't
2: No, but she does. Anyway, she's coming back after the break with our classic and another brilliant one for the month ahead. Stay with us. Book Club Friday, Margaret Madness with us. Margaret, can I say I think you've really made it now because I hold a book here which Margaret's going to tell us about in a moment. It's called 47 Seconds. It's by Jane Ryan and I'm going to read you this. It's on the front cover. It says, in quotes, crime fiction has a new voice and it's a strong one. Gritty and addictive. Fans of Jane Casey and Joe Spain will devour it and that's a quote from yes our own Margaret Madden from Bleach House Library (laughs) you must be thrilled to see that on the front of the book are you
4: yeah I was sent a very very early um, kind of print copy a digital copy of the manuscript um, to have a read through to see what I thought and uh, I knew I knew this was this was exciting
2: well what a recommendation to give now this is Jane Ryan's first.
4: Yeah. First novel. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a new voice. It's great to have a new voice. Um, you can never have too much crime fiction and it looks like it's going to be part of a series, which is even better. I love a crime fiction series where you get to know the the detectives, or in this case, the, the guard, which is even mm. better. It's an Irish novel, so yeah.
2: Okay, so let's set the scene. And this is some scene. A severed arm, Dublin
4: docks, found in the carcass,
2: of oh, a pig.
4: Yeah, poor old Detective Garda Bridge, Bridget Harney, um, is called out to down to the docks and inside a refrigerated container with a, a carcass of a pig hanging, inside that is a severed human arm. So it all kicks off. Um, yeah. herself and Kay, her partner, are on the case. And, um, yeah, it's very intriguing.
2: Now, there's a fellow in this, a fellow called uh, Flannery, mm. Sean Flannery. And uh, Bridget Harney, the uh, detective garda, has had a, a, a history with this guy in trying to pin him down and nail him.
4: Yeah, you don't really know why. And he's not actually a huge relevance to this story. Yeah. But um she it just shows how dedicated a guard she is. You know, mm. she I think years previous he had done something that she was convinced he was guilty of, but he got away with and she just is like a dog with a bone. She just won't let go of this. So you can see her her gritty determination from the beginning that she thinks he's involved in this somehow. Um I mean, it's a tenuous link, but you can see that she's just determined and she's just keep following him and and he's always in the back of her mind.
2: And is that really the premise of the whole thing? That, you know, she is ultimately... Be sorted, if you like to say, you mm. know, in detection terms or mm. investigative terms with this guy.
4: Well, she is, but she's, uh, yeah, she's, do you know what it is? She's gritty, as I said on the cover. She's hard. She's not your typical mm. um, female garda character that you would come across. She is not necessarily nice. Um, she lives on her own with her father, who is a judge. So they don't have a good relationship at all. So she is... A dark kind of a character, mm. um, and then her op- by her opposite is Kay, her partner, who's a happily married woman with a couple of kids, and so they do spar off each other. But Bridge is also in a in a situation; she's in a job that's dominated by males. She's surrounded by males. The patriarchy is still alive and well, and in, in in her case, so she's fighting for that too. So you've a bit of that there.
2: Okay, and yeah. with this one, do you have to wait till the final turn of the page?
4: Well, you kind of do, mm-hmm. but you know, as you're going through, you, you think do. you do. You, I can tell you, you do. <laughs> you do. You have to keep guessing. Yeah, you have to keep guessing. It what's doesn't going reveal
2: on. itself until the end, but it'll keep you. It'll keep you well hooked and interested as you go along. That yeah. is for sure. And
4: the forty-seven seconds of the title is is related to a phone conversation in the middle of it. So. Okay,
2: okay. Yeah. So highly recommended for the month of March. Our yeah. very first congratulations Great to Jane Ryan. It's a brilliant debut, as Margaret said. 47 seconds now as we do each month we round off with you dipping into your thousands (laughs) in your library of books that you have and the archives and picking out something that says to you do you know what I'd like to remind late lunch listeners about this one go back to it so what what have you picked for us Margaret
4: this one is a memoir and it's called precious written by precious Williams
2: now this goes back I know it's a memoir back to 2010 this book was published relatively recent times as well Give us a feel for what it's about.
4: Okay, well, she is um a journalist, a well-known journalist, and she is looking back at the fact that she was fostered out um as kind of I think she was only 3 weeks old. Um she is a Nigerian and she was fostered by a white family in the 70s Sussex in England and and it's basically an examination of her identity and how she was kind of stripped of her african identity by being forced into a white family and being taught being taught white values and I, you know the way to dress the way to speak dis- discouraged from really from any of her heritage mm. um but yet her mother her birth mother just keeps coming back um not in a good way. No, no, in a
2: very bad way. Yeah,
4: it's, very, it's, a, it's a very odd story. But uh, Precious herself does say that part of the Nigerian culture is that, that mothers, well, certainly back in the 70s, would farm their kids out um, among their relatives and friends back in Nigeria. So it, as far as her mother was concerned, she wasn't really doing anything wrong. But she was. She just oh. dumped her. Um, she advertised her in a magazine. You know, somebody please take my child. And she was a wealthy, wealthy woman. It's Mm. not like she was doing it to... Yeah, that she had herself. to do it
2: or to better the child or anything. Or yeah, it was
4: just the child didn't fit mm. in with her new You've life. You have
2: particular interest in this because you foster.
4: Well, I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, times have moved on. Yes. So a, a child's identity, if they're from a different um, background and nationality, very important.
0: Mm. Um,
4: and the social workers do get involved now. We don't of advertise course, them in the papers anymore. Yeah,
2: this really is bringing us back to a dark time. And yeah. uh, that child, you know, was between a rock and a hard place between her mother and her foster family. Yeah, you know, she was, a,
4: you know, her foster mom was well, it was an elderly woman. Yeah. You know, she called her nanny, and she mm. was pretty much a grey-haired nanny. Um, so she had a very different life. The the nanny as well had OCD, so she she was permanently going around bleaching everything and wouldn't wouldn't let precious like even put stuff in the bin without debt all in her hands before and after yes very strange scenario and then she went off the rails in her teens Uh,
2: but understandably because she was abused as a child on our family our real family side and she had difficulties but ultimately she rose to the top and she's done very well for herself in life it's it's an inspiring story as well the classic it's called precious
1: by precious selling a little or a lot Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/work. shopify.com/work.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify.
2: this Williams, recommended by Margaret Madden on Book Club this Friday afternoon. Have to leave it there today. If you want the uh, the gift pack, five books, five brilliant books, the question is, what's the capital of Spain? Answers to 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text with your name and details. You have to pick a song before you go.
4: Well, I think it has to be somebody that we both like and who I'm obviously the spitting image of, and that's a bit of Kylie. <laughs> a bit of Kylie Minogue please she sent me a
2: message last night with Kylie on it and I did send you a little message back
4: to, <laughs> you know oh. to
2: understand where everything stands
4: <laughs> well you see I just can't get you out of my head ah
2: I? well listen sure isn't that the one we have, indeed <laughs> Margaret Madden until next month here's Kylie We've teamed up with Scotch Hall Shopping Centre to find the best mum in the North East and we'll be announcing who that is here on Late Lunch Live next Friday. So, do you want to nominate your mum? There's a brilliant prize, a hamper valued at €300 from Scotch Hall to be won. All you have to do is send us a video or you can WhatsApp or text us telling us why your mum is the best. Don't forget the number 086 1800 658 and that video, yes, you can send it across our social media channels facebook instagram and whatsapp and the very best of luck to you with that one there i'm delighted to tell you he's in studio he has his bottles of the month a white and a red yes it's mr rick Cronje. rick good to see you again you too joey thank, thank you here. very much for joining me on the show now my heart jumped for joy when i saw your
7: white wine of the month because yes. you went somewhere where i was on holidays last year yes sicily our uh, absolute find it is as well, Jerry, because this is not a wine you're gonna see every day, that's for sure.
2: And Sicily Quite distinct,
7: and they tell you this when you're there from mainland Italy. Yes, yes, they, um, I mean, in terms of wine, they in, in terms of the wine industry, they fall under Italy, but uh, definitely they'll remind you that they are the island of Sicily, they are not on the mainland. <laughs> the mainland. Yeah, no, yes. They don't want that bridge built no, ever, I can no, tell you that. No. But they have a history going back thousands of years yes it does it goes back 3,000 years you know we had originally the Greeks and the Phoenicians and the Romans so it's developed over 3,000 years but in particular in the last few years you know years ago say 20, 30, 40 years ago um, they were known for bulk wines more than actual you know quality wines but they've really worked hard on it because they wanted their own stamp Mm. On it, and uh, they've been very, very successful in the last few years. And America will, in particular, be a big, big trading partner for them. For them, yes. they have indigenous grapes for sure. They're all that are unique yes, to the they island. They do very much so, and I think this is what they. Well, not. I think this is what they were working at to, to really make it unique. And mm. some beautiful, beautiful uh, wines that come from there. Great pity we don't see. More, More than here, it, yeah, of course.
2: I, I was at the Gambino uh, yes. winery. It's near Mount Etna and Catania yep. there, and uh, we got some wine sent over for Christmas, reds yes. and whites. I think I gave you Are a bottle you of did red. Indeed, beautiful, oh, the beautiful, beautiful
7: wines. Beautiful I have wines, to say. Yeah.
2: The other thing is they handpick still quite a bit in yes, Sicily. Yes, they don't do. They?
7: I, they do because there's obviously, uh, you know, still a lot of hobby farmers, but uh, they do it in a very unique way as well because they they mix the quality wine and you know, the what we call the Terra uh, wines uh, in it. So they, they aim for quite a wide market as well, mm. not just top-level yes. uh, wines. Yeah, they do, they do, Jerry, and, and you can actually taste it in the flavors. What I like about the, the wine, which we'll test today, is it's got a very clean, clear, crispy mm. flavor to it. Sometimes we get a bit bogged down on this side of the ocean with our traditional, you know, heavy, almost sugary wines, to be yes. honest with you, you know. And this is quite distinct very from. Very distinct. Uh,
2: the dock, the Sicilia dock, which is the, the yes. which the categorization of the wines and the yes. way they describe, that's what they've brought in, is it, in the last 30, 40 this years? This is it.
7: Correct, Jerry. This is what they brought in, and uh, they had a very specific objective or objectives, and that is to uh, preserve the, the uh, uh, indigenous species I think they've got fifty or so plus yes. on on the island um, and to promote it and uh, to interact with the wine community uh, community which is very very important mm. because uh, the name Sicily uh, would just would have just been a name you know Italy yes. so overshadowed it yes um, whereas now very much so. And when you see that doc on the label, you know it's a quality wine. It's quality wine. wine. It's quality wine. Oh, absolutely. Or if you see the name uh, Sicily or Sicilian on it, uh, yeah. It's it's going to be very unique. You can say that that yes. is the stamp of approval is there. Absolutely. What the about great varieties? The ones we know. We're going to taste uh, the whites today. Yes. What are you talking about? In yeah, the the, the thing is, they, uh, Jerry. Just uh, I'm glad you asked that because there's a bit of confusion. They they have their own varieties. Yes. And you know what we're going to taste today is the Catarato. Uh, of it, you know then you have the uh, the, uh, Grilo, uh you have the inzolia, so there 's a few of the indigenous ones there that won 't be familiar to us, yeah, but to be part of the d o uh, c it 's very restricted as to what we know as the international varieties that you can put in there right and and uh, now that is not to be uh, uh, mistaken that there aren 't any other varieties available, but if you want that d o c stamp on your bottle you are very limited to what grapes you can put in that bottle before you get that so stamp so they're promoting their own there yes, but of you course. do
2: find chardonnays and pinot
7: Grigios and yes. sauvignon
2: blancs there they're there as well yeah.
7: Yep, yep. You and, do. and what about
2: red? Uh, uh, would there be no
7: more for the white or red Great. Yeah, there'll be more. Probably the red will be uh, yes. definitely known. It's just the climate. They would also be more yeah, tolerable yes. uh, uh, as far as the red goes. Yes. Now, you've right brought a white you. to us today. What's the name yeah. of this one again? Yeah, this is the Cataratau, uh, is how they pronounce it. And it's a, a 2017 Nostru Catarato uh, Lucido. 2017. 2017. And available yeah. where? O'Brien's. And what will it set you back? It's fourteen ninety five, okay. at the moment. But uh, they do promotions there and they've really got a brilliant collection there, uh, Jerry. And I remember. Just going back, thank goodness for podcasts. When December we were saying, you know, was such a good year, 2018, in terms of production. They've got some beautiful, beautiful wines at absolutely knockdown prices. Well,
2: there you have it. Check yeah. them out. Let's have a wee taste, uh, Eric, yes. of this. Now, from the distance here, I'm just looking at it here. Yes, it it, it it's not light. It
7: has a lovely golden color. This wine yes. hasn't it? Yes. It has, Cherry, and it's called uh, the uh, Cataratao Lucido. Um, Spring and on the nose. Yes, beautiful. It just goes along with this time yeah, of year. it does. Let's have a go
2: with this. I'd say this fella could be nice by himself. Yeah. Let's see.
7: <laughs> oh, it certainly is. Yeah, it's very fresh, isn't it? Very you could just refreshing. have that by itself, couldn't you? Yeah, oh gosh, you could. Good
2: aperitif, yes? Uh,
7: definitely. Definitely, Jerry. No, no question about it. It's not a heavy wine. No, it's it's a very. I like I, I I like to describe it as a clean wine. Oh my God, very it has clean. that, and it's refreshing.
2: Yeah. It's lovely, springy yeah. on the nose, and it has a lingering, a lingering palate on it. There's no yes. doubt yeah. that it has yeah. that. Exactly, it's not a flimsy wine. No, it doesn't no, no, and you can yeah. see the depth as you look at it. Get it there again in the glass. Mm. Um, if you were saying to. Drink it with some food. What would yeah. you pair it with? It'd have to be light,
7: wouldn't it? it light food, yeah. yeah. Seafood, perfect anything for grilled, that. Grilled fish, uh, a bit of shellfish maybe, or. Oh, but it's so uh, the uh, it it will match quite a, a range of foods, even. Uh, Chicken, I think it'll it'll go nice with that as well, would it? Yeah, yeah. I really like it, Rick. Mm -hmm. It's superb. It is. It's very different from Mm. our usual run of the Sauvignon Blancs and Pinot Gris shows. Yeah, you know, uh, very clean. It's none of that oiliness to it uh, uh, or or anything like that. Oh, this is one for 2019
2: summer in Ireland for sure. And Sicily. Sicilian wine. There's not a whole lot of it comes into Ireland. I'd say Very, very no, little of it, to be honest little, with you. No. This is a real opportunity here. Yeah. So it's called Catara. Go on, go yeah.
7: ahead. Go yeah. ahead with the full it's pronunciation. The, yeah, it's called the Catarato. Catarato. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, it's uh, 20, Lucido twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Catarato is the actual grape now. O'Brien's um, have it. O'Brien's have it. Yeah. It's well um, worth checking out, folks. And it's an organic, so it'll suit. Oh, there you yeah, go. No, another yeah, little
2: tick so. on the box yeah, as well, if you're yeah. into your organic wines as well. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Short break on Late Lunch. He has his Red of the Month as well, but we're moving to another part of the world. Stay with us on Late Lunch. <laughs> Our wine guru, Rick Cronje is with us. Rick, I'm laughing. Uh, I've got a, a message in here. God forgive you, Jerry. Talking about and tasting wine in the holy season of Lent. Thank you for your message. If we've offended your religious beliefs, I apologise. But look, there you go. It is what it is, and uh, enjoy it. What were you saying to me mm. there about wine? People don't drink wine anymore. What did they do? Somebody said uh, to they you-
7: enjoy wine. Yes. I, I love it when people say that, Jerry, because that's really what it's uh, about. You mm. know, we, we don't drink wine. Wine is not something to be drunk. So yes. Wine is to be enjoyed. I know it's, people say you're playing with words, but... It's about the mindset as well. Yeah. You know, you go out to enjoy wine. Absolutely. You know, that's what it is.
2: Complimenting about. your food. Yes. Moderation. Mm, drinking absolutely. your water with it as we that's always it. say. Uh, very, very yeah. important part of it. His red of the month, Rick's Red for the month of March, we're moving on to next. And we're heading to Chile. Now yes. I what didn't realise is I knew Chilean wines were popular in Ireland, yes. but not as popular as you're going
7: to tell me. Twenty seven percent of all wines sold in Ireland comes from Chile.
2: Almost one third of yes. what, yes, is bought. That's an Post, incredible yeah. uh, affinity for Chilean wines. Absolutely,
7: isn't it? our best friend. Yes,
2: <laughs> they must love us here in Ireland. I think we
7: start twinning <laughs> towns and names. I think we have to start considering yeah. that, Rick.
2: Um, yeah. When you talk about Chile again, um, we know the country. It's a little narrow country running down. Yes. Uh, on the, as I look at the map of South America, it's the left of the map, isn't yes, it? Yes, on, on yeah. the west. Yeah. Correct, yeah, on, correct. On the west there. Yeah. As regards wine production, uh, an interesting fact you've told me, irrigation. They need a lot of irrigation. Yeah,
7: I, I, I highlight that, uh, Jerry, because that means uh, you're dependent. You know, it's 75% mm. uh, of of the, the vineyards there. Now, they have a unique system, the same as across the border in Argentina, where it's channeled through channels and that, you know, flood irrigation, as we know it from, mm. the melting snow of the Andes. But it is important to note, because if you have a dry spell, as uh, America did California regions over the last two, three years, you know, uh, consistency will become a problem. Yes, you know.
2: So this is a, yes. a, a to bear in mind. Yes. They need to yes. bring a lot of water to uh, the vines yes. and climate change. Well, what's yep. the space exactly. with, with what exactly. is happening there? Exactly. Miguel Torres, there's a famous name in the history of <laughs> Chilean yes. wine, isn't it? Yes,
7: very much so. Uh, when he arrived in Chile, he brought some new ideas over from uh, Spain, you know, and uh, mainly the, the fermentation in steel tanks and uh, adding oak Mm. to give the wine some bit of body. Um, And it was really, I I mean, although history goes back to the 16th century, it was really only in the 80s that they came on the market. And we all remember uh, the marketing strategy they came up with and still to this day, you know, um, and that is really when the revival came he came with these new ideas new yes. ways and everybody else followed and know. made a big difference yeah. and of
2: course they have a mixture of the Spanish you mentioned there with Torres and the French that's sort of the that's, mix isn't uh, it yeah the,
7: the varieties yes. yeah, yeah yeah and red definitely. red
2: dominating in Chile again yes
7: very much so okay very much so uh, and uh, you Tori, have picked yeah. a red from Chile yeah. for us today I mean they'll be Mm. Uh, nearly three quarters of the wines from there will be in the red classification, yes. Um,
2: yes. As regards regions, how many regions are classified within
7: Chile? Yeah, well, you have the six main uh, regions and then a whole range of sub-regions uh, under it. Sometimes you wonder if it makes sense, Jerry, because of the way the land is there and the different climates, you know, yes. y- you got the Pacific Ocean, on on the east and the end is on the right, so there's a, a desert way up at the top, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's such a variation, but look, you have to do something. You have to you have to have a county somewhere in Ireland, you know. Yeah. And um, but yeah, they have all the various classifications, and uh, that is just again to uh, verify for us as the consumer that that wine comes from that like area, particular what area. To. Yeah. What's the top grape, the number one grown grape? Oh, Cabernet Sauvignon. There you go. Yeah, tough grape and, uh, yeah, and in the white will be the Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, so white Sauvignon Blanc. Now, the red you've brought to us today is what? It's a Syrah. Okay. Uh, People will know it as Shiraz. And it's a 2018. Very young. Very very young. Now, very, very different. Uh, Very excited about this one, uh, Jerry, because... Uh, Syrah would traditionally be a very strong, powerful, you mm. know, almost spicy, pepperish, whereas now with the different styles that they grow them in, and, yeah, very, very excited about it. 2018, Sarah. And talking about 18,
2: have you made a mistake on the price here? Because I think there's a one missing on, on my <laughs> on my notes here, because it I, says 8, eight euro? 8
7: euro. 8 euro is correct. And it it's Los Coches. Los Coches
2: 2018, Sarah. Sarah yeah eight euro again from o'brien's o'brien's have this one yeah i'll have a little a little a little touch in my tongue god bless me as we say it is the 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 lenten season but i'll have a little
7: i'll have a little just here we go yeah it is eight euro no mistake they're there some beautiful whoa rick lovely
2: that's a it's 2018 it's young but it's a big boy
7: isn't it it is it is jerry oh that really hits you doesn't it. it yeah yeah. That has to be paired, for sure. Oh no, you need food with that, Jerry. There's no way you're going to drink mm. that. You know. So uh, what I'm would you pair with it? Barbecue. Yeah. We we're getting a big summer here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's it's coming Definitely our Definitely a barbecue. Definitely barbecue. Cheese with well, cheese. Uh, cheese. A, g- a good hard cheese will will go well yeah. with it. You know. Um. Of anything. Anything on the barbecue for yeah. uh, for the uh, vegetarians or vegans. A uh, good mushroom would go well with this yes. as well. Mm. Yeah. Um it's deep
2: deep color,
7: strong. You can taste the
2: fruit on it yeah. there. Oh, yes, it certainly yeah. is. No,
7: no, it's it's a very it's a very good one. I I'm not going to say for the price. I I hate bringing price yeah. into yeah. it, you know. Yeah. But at 8 euro it is a steal because I think it's a fantastic one. It's a great great party wine. We're having a bit of a family get together in May, so it'll definitely be on my uh, agenda to go with the lamb on the spit. And these sure. people
2: making it, the uh, Louise Felipe Edwards family, yes. they started small, but now they're the big. They're they?
7: massive. They started with 60 hectares. They've got over 2,000 now. Very, very big in in, in They know uh, how Chile. to rock it off. Oh, there, no, they, they do. They do, Jerry. they market orientated. We've spoken about this over the years. You know how the wine industry has changed and, and really going for the market now.
2: I can just feel myself getting out the barbecue. Even. Even this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm giving Jerry. something a go
7: to pair it yeah, with
2: that. Yeah. I love it. Los Coshes twenty eighteen, Sarah, O'Brien's in Drogheda or O'Brien's nationally as well, wherever yeah. they are for eight euro. Rick kranje thank you for your recommendations on white and red for the month of March. We'll see you next month, please, God. You will do. And there's Jerry. only one way to say goodbye to you, with a little bit of music today. Has to be UB forty, and you
7: know the song. I do, Jerry, I wrote it. <laughs> And red wine! <laughs>
2: The Club. We have a gift pack of books to give away every time we talk to Margaret Madden. The question today was, what is the capital of Spain? It is, of course, Madrid and those five lovely books. All together are going to Maggie Trainer this afternoon. Well done to you, Maggie, with the right answer, Madrid. And thanks to everybody, all of you who've been in touch with us. Just like to mention that the O'Reilly's, great club on the North Road in Drogheda, are looking for individuals or acts to take part in their lip-sync fundraiser for the club. And they're sharing the spoils there with Ab- School for Children with Autism. Brilliant people as well. And the Lip Sync takes place on the 5th of May. But they're having actually uh, auditions this coming week on Tuesday and Friday in the clubhouse. So if you uh, drop up to the Orahalis Tuesday or Friday evenings, they'd be delighted to sign you up uh, for taking part in that as well. Now, Paddy Malone, you know him well from Dundalk, is on the line to me at the moment with a tale of caution. Afternoon, Paddy.
8: Afternoon, Jerry. Not often I get talking to somebody in eleven from the afternoon.
2: <laughs> not indeed, Paddy. Anyway, but this is important that you do talk to me today. Tell us what's uh, troubling you.
8: Yeah, I'll tell you what it is. A couple of clients of mine have rung me, uh, and not from the Dundalk region, actually one from South and one from Monaghan, uh, with the same story that they had got a phone call, which was very plausible, very believable, from a very nice gentleman who was ringing up with the bad news that he was from the revenue and that my client owed a substantial sum of money and that an arrest warrant had been issued and that the guard were on the way to um, bring him to Mountjoy. And, um... In both cases, my client said, well, you know, I'll ring you back and got into a flap and the guy said, look, this is the phone number. uh, This is the bank account details and if you transfer the money here and now on this phone call, there won't be any problem. Now, thankfully the two remained calm enough to say, I'll talk to my accountant before they did anything. And then they rang me and I explained to them that the revenue never, ever make contact with an individual by phone in that manner. They would never take funds over an open bank account. Everything has to go through what we call ROS, which is a computer system. Um, that cannot happen. And also, I've been in practice now for 40 years. The, the firm has been in practice for 59 years. Um, it's never happened, to yeah. my best of my knowledge, of an arrest warrant being issued like that. It, it just doesn't happen. So it's a bit like the Spanish lottery. People are panic um, and they do silly things. Mm. And I just want to say, Can you just simply say, point out to whoever rings up, it's not April the first yet, and would the police go away and stop annoying you?
2: Yeah, but Paddy, you're so right, because sometimes in the heat of the moment, people under pressure in business, you know, concerned about a lot of things, you might just think, oh, let's get this one off the table immediately. The message you want to send out today, this is a scam, no.
8: No, it's a scam, it's completely that way. Revenue do not behave in that manner. It's simply just not their style or the nature they might ring the agent every so often but even there we have certain codes that we would know whether the, whether the cars were genuine or not it will not happen that the revenue will contact somebody directly like that even if they don't have an agent that is not the way the revenue do business so please ignore any such thing and the same thing happens I've seen it coming out with emails saying uh, your, your tax affairs have been have been assessed and you drew a refund of 100 euros. Please send in your bank details. No, again, no. And I even had a client who should have known better, you know, a doctor ringing me saying, I, I have a refund. And I said, no, you don't. And he said, I got an email last week. Well, he might have, but he doesn't. he's not getting a refund. And okay. just to get the message across, revenue have ways of doing things that are fairly straightforward, Anything that comes out of the ordinary, no. And if your accountant hasn't told you or you haven't been receiving demand notes, these things aren't going to happen. If you owe the money, if you owe revenue money, they send you two or three letters. They're quicker at doing it now than they used to be, but you would still have ample opportunity to pay it. You're not going to be in a situation where the Garda have sent the Black Mariah and it's on his way out to pick you up. No, that's not going to happen. So please calm down, everybody.
2: Absolutely, Paddy. Listen, thank you for joining me on the show this afternoon and passing on the message to uh, people out there because it is very important to say to people that this is a scam and it is happening at the moment. Take your time. Tell them you'll call them back. You'll check out with your accountant or people that you know, but it is a scam. Don't get involved in it any which way at all. Paddy, thanks indeed. I appreciate you calling in. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Paddy Malone in uh, Dundalk this afternoon, passing on that message. If you're in business, any type of business, if you're even a, a, a person who pays their tax, never mind business or whatever, scam, 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 scam. Beware of it. Now, Fred Cook is gone. Oh, yes, our Freddie bowed out of uh, Dancing with the Stars last week. But on Monday on Late Lunch, we handed on the baton. Yes, Cleana Hagen, country music star, is in the final and she's on the line with me. Hello, Cleana.
9: Hello, how's it going?
2: Not so bad. Thank you for taking our call today. We just wanted to complete the full set of Dancing with the Stars. We've talked to Fred every single week. But do you know this? He told us here in Late Lunch on LMFM, he wants you to win.
9: Uh, You know, Fred is one of the sweetest persons I've come across. He is such a lovely guy. He's so witty. He gives the best hugs in the whole wide world. And I have to say, Fred has become a dear friend of mine. And I was sad to see Fred go last week, but you know what? He's done phenomenal, what a dancer and not only that, what a lovely person
2: Yeah, he's a great guy Well listen, he's handed the baton on to you and I did promise my friend Linda Martin who you know well, a fellow Tyrone woman that when Fred went, we'd give you a shout and give you all the support from the LMFM listeners as well Cleaner, You're up against Johnny Ward and Mairead Ronan on Sunday in the final It's going to be a tough old call, isn't it, between the three You're all great
9: it really is. You know, Maria's a phenomenal dancer. and So is uh, Johnny as well. Funny enough, I'm just actually looking at Johnny here through the window and it's looking incredible. You know, they're not only lovely dancers, lovely people too. Everybody has uh, got on so, so well. I have to say, I've made really, really dear friends for life. But each and every one of us, the last three, we're, we've got three dancers. So we've to do really two dances that we've done before at the beginning of the season to try and remember the dance steps to begin with. It's going to be tough. And then on top of that, we've all got a show dance, So I have to say... Each and every one of us have worked very, very hard. I think it's going to be a very, very great final. And no matter who wins, you know, it's, it's been such a brilliant experience.
2: Yes. Look, it's been some season and the three year left and you've got the votes and the judges have put you there as well. And of course, you have the big country music backing behind you and the people of Tyrone and beyond. And I do want to say today, Cleena, we do remember the people of Tyrone today. It's a very sad day there with those three youngsters being laid to rest and we remember them today.
9: Yeah, you know, um, when I heard the news of what happened on the Patrick's Day, I was, you know, I'm just devastated for them. The community of Tyrone is is in mourning. Cookstein would be my local town, so it's only ten minutes away from where I live. So my thoughts, my prayers, my heart goes out to, to all those families that are affected and even those that are affected emotionally and it's just such a such a tragedy mm. and um, I'm just devastated. Yes. Really I'm devastated for them and mm. as I said everyone in Tyrone is is definitely in complete um
2: Yes, and I know they'll be in your thoughts on Sunday as well as you go through to this. And this, of course, is entertainment and it's entertained so many people as well. But uh, we do remember them today and I know you will as well over the weekend. So the die is cast, will it be Marae, Johnny or Cleena? We want our woman now, as we'll call her, for this week on LMFM Radio, Cleena Hagen, to sweep the boards and uh, get that little ball title and carry it off with her on Sunday. And I want to say to everybody... Give her a vote. Come on, let's give her a vote and get behind her. It's a transfer from Fred to Clean at this stage. Oh. Text Kleena to 53125 on Sunday evening and let's get her to the uh, victory that she deserves for the wonderful effort she's put in through Dancing with the Stars. Kleena, leave it there. Wish you well on Sunday. Thank you so much. Not at all, take care of yourself, bye 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 bye, that's Lena Hagen there Country music star, Dancing with the Stars finalists on Sunday on RTE for the finale of the 2019 season Talking about seasons, well the sports season goes night, noon and morning and is into full swing as we speak now in the spring of the year and as is our want every Friday on Late Lunch I'll be joined in a few moments by Leon Blanche who looks ahead to the big sporting gigs of the weekend It's not a mad busy weekend on the sporting front, but we have a few to look at. Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports is on the line. Leon, good afternoon. Let's start with Drogheda in Galway tonight in the League of Ireland. Dundalk, not in action.
6: No, look, Dundalk, not in action. Um, Obviously, Shamrock Rovers have a chance to extend their lead in the Premier Division, but um, Drogheda will um, face Galway and uh, Drogheda favours. Surprising that there's such short price at five to four after an indifferent start to the season, it's fair to say. Galway are two to one and the draw here is twelve to five. I don't know, Jerry. Um I'm not holding on much hope for a victory this evening. I hope I'm wrong. Um but I think if they got a share of the spoils, they'd probably be happy enough with that. But um, five to four favourites, um it's short enough. I just I hope I'm wrong and I hope yeah. Droghada can put in a much improved <laughs> performance after last week.
2: I hope you are as well, Liam. But I've been watching them and I agree with you. I think a draw would probably be the the best hope for going west this evening. Now let's move on to the international stage tomorrow and again on Tuesday next. Ireland opening their 2020 Euro qualifiers. Away to Gibraltar tomorrow. Surely odds on to win that one.
6: <laughs> yeah, look, um, this, is, this is a match that I think for Mick McCarthy and his management uh, team this is the perfect start to a qualifying campaign even though it's away against Gibraltar it's on a plastic pitch and there'll be a small crowd but Ireland will win it's just a matter of how by how many Jerry, I think the last time they played Gibraltar they scored four um, look you're not going to get rich uh, back in Ireland, I think there's something like 1 to 25 or 1 to 28 to win the game. However, we have seen a bit of money for Ireland, minus three goals. It's moved in from 5 to 4, it's now into 11 to 10. And I'd be hoping Ireland can do the business. Who's going to score the goals? Well, we do have a couple of players who are on form for their club. James Collins, I know it's only League One, but he's absolutely banging in the goals for Luton Town. McGoldrick, I think, will start because he's a bit of a favourite of Mick McCarthy, and Shawnee McGuire, he's been doing quite well, at Preston of course, former Dundalk man, the the three of those guys, are 11 to 4, to score the first goal, but I see a little bit of value, in Shane Duffy, and I just think, maybe a corner kick, or a free kick, by Robbie Brady, into the box, I think the big man from Derry, who of course, plays for Brighton, I think at 9 to 1, he he looks a big price, and also there's Matt Doherty, at 11 to 1, most people are reckoning, he'll probably play in front, of Seamus Coleman on the right hand side and I think Doherty is well capable of getting forward, getting involved and hopefully getting on the score sheet but look, fingers crossed we beat Gibraltar and then of course we played Georgia at home on Tuesday night we're 1-2 to, to beat the Georgians and I think Jerry, if we have any realistic chance of qualifying for Euro 2020 it's got to be a maximum 12 points in the four games against Gibraltar and Georgia home and away.
2: Absolutely. Now, quickly, just before we finish, uh, tight for time today, Leon, in GAA, big Sunday for Meath against Fermanagh. They know if they win in Navin, they're up. Are they going to do it?
6: I think they will do it. Yeah, I've been very, very impressed with me. They're at home in Navin. There should be a decent crowd. They're four to nine favourites to get the job done against Fermanagh who are five to two. But all the money this week has been for me. They were one to two. They've been backed into four to nine with Boyle Sports. And Meade minus minus two points is also coming in for some support at twenty one to twenty. In the other game, the Wii County it looks as if they have it all to do, Jerry, travelling to face down. Down are the seven to two on favourites. Louder available at hundred to thirty. Maybe loud plus four points at ten to eleven is the way to go. But I think this week we're going to get a victory and allowed loud defeat.
2: Leon, until next Friday, thank you so much indeed for joining me on the show. Leon Blanche there from Boyle Sports, looking ahead to the weekend sporting action involving the local sides. That's our lot on Late Lunch for another week. Thank you so much for joining us every day. To our guests, really appreciate you talking to us during the week and to your listeners every day. So We couldn't do it without you. And to my producer Louise Walsh. Thanks for everything, Louise, through the week. We're heading into uh, the weekend break. Back on Monday with Late Lunch for a full week from half one. It's Bob Marley and the Whalers and three little bar They're singing everywhere.